Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Welcome to today's episode. We have the amazing opportunity to hear from someone who inspires me and I love talking to Olivia Votau. She is a leader in her community. She's phenomenal in the Lemmy community and helping people build commonwealths and other things like that. But um, Olivia, could you just give us a little bit of background on what brought you to homeschooling and then what brought you to leadership education? Yeah, sure. First, thank you for having me. This is exciting and nerve wracking, <laughs> but you guys are making this easy by letting me see your see your faces instead of just the phone call. So thanks for having me. Well, I started homeschooling when my daughter was three years old and she's now 17. So this is 2023 and she's 17. So this is a long time, 14 years that we've been doing this. But prior to um, to that, I wasn't interested in homeschooling. It wasn't anything that was on my radar. It wasn't anything I was planning to do. At the time, I was li li living in Lehigh, Utah, and I, um, I, you know, married for just a couple of years, for a few years, and now I had this little, this baby, and um, see, well, she's a toddler, and I was pregnant, and a friend of mine um, called me and said, uh, you know, has said, hey, have you heard that there's a new bookstore on on Lehigh Main Street. And I thought, what? There's a bookstore? I love bookstores. I had actually managed a, an independent bookstore in California a few years before. So this was like super exciting for me. And I went and checked it out, immediately went and checked it out. And as I was walking around this little bookstore, I couldn't make sense of the bookstore itself because like on one shelf, was um, the Communist Manifesto. And then on another bookshelf was, um, you know, the, the Little House on the Prairie series. And then on another bookshelf was Mein Kampf and like, just like rat these like weird random books. And um, so I asked the, <laughs> I, asked, I asked to speak to the owner or the manager just to say like, so tell me about your bookstore. Cause I'm just trying to make sense of it. And it happened to be Daniela Larson who was, um, yeah, who had just opened. Oh, I don't know how recently, actually. I don't remember exactly when, how long it's been open. I think it had just been opened. She and the DeMills were starting this new enterprise in which they were starting a bookstore. They had started this bookstore and they were going to launch um, TJ Ed Academy, I think it was going to be called. Uh, there was an online, right? There was an online format with offering scholar projects and classes, different classes online and then there was going to be I mean a, a school uh, meeting above the bookstore and so we just started talking and she I told her that I had managed a bookstore and then by literally by the end of that conversation she offered me a job uh, to work there <laughs> and I told her like well, I, you know I'm not really looking for a job I have a, a toddler and I'm and I had this baby or I think I just had Austin. I think I just had Austin. So he was like a newborn. I'm trying to remember if I was still pregnant or not, but anyway, I had Austin, I think. And so she's, so I said, but I'll, but it was exciting because I love bookstores. You know, I love independent bookstores. So she, she said, well, if you're going to work here, you need to read this book. And she gave me the Thomas Jefferson education book by Oliver DeMille. And so I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll read it. This a free book. You're going to give me a free book. Absolutely. I'll read it. So I went home and I read it and it grabbed me from the, just the very first pages. I knew there was truth in this book and I just could not put it down. Um, I was um, particularly touched by the, um, all of the references to freedom, right? The, all the times that he talks about freedom and, and the, the, the freedom that children have innately in them and how sometimes that gets crushed in the conveyor belt. Um, and so I, I could connect to that, not because I was crushed in the conveyor belt, but because I had a brother who's an artist who's very gifted uh, and he just didn't quite fit in the conveyor belt of our school. And so he, he didn't, not that he didn't do well in school, but definitely by the end of, by the end of his public school education, he certainly wasn't living his mission. And I, you know, I hate to say something as bold as that because he might differ. He's 40 right now. So he might differ about that, but it seemed to me that nothing about his education, no one in his education tapped in, into his 
into his um, God-given gifts of art, you know, being artistic and said, you have a gift. Let's, let's direct some of your education in that, in that, you know, in that direction. Um, so that really, that just, I was like, yes, I believe that. So the conveyor belt made a lot of sense to me. And, um, and then and at the time, you know, I had this toddler, which is going to seem ridiculous now that I, that now that I have three kids, I was a new mom, but I had this toddler, her, Sierra, and she was a beast. You guys, like, she was so willful. And I remember, I have this distinct memory before I I learned about the bookstore and I, I'm, and Daniela gave me this TJ Ed book. I remember kneeling down and praying and, and I'm not, I wasn't being facetious or, or weird. I was like, tell me father, please take her back. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, please take her back. This is too hard. And I have this newborn and you know, like, it's like this, like, will it's like war of wills between the two of us. And so I was just like desperate because I couldn't control her. You know what I mean? I couldn't get her to wear the cute clothes that I had bought her and to let me do her hair cute and just like silly new mom kind of stuff. Yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily embarrassing at all because I've trade that as well like I, I hate to admit it but I have with my fourth I was like whoa wait this is I don't want to do this this was not what I signed up for can you reset restart go back <laughs> like, good for you though happened. you waited until the fourth this was like my first try and I'm like yeah nope don't. I know I don't think it has anything to do with me I think it has everything to do with the child so <laughs> like, there's some children that just like Oh gosh, I was not ready for this roller coaster ride uh, you're putting me on. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. And what I what and what I realized when I went when I read the TJ Ed book is that I was trying to control her, and her little spirit was born with this innate, you know, understanding that 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 she was meant to be. She is not to be forced. She is not to be coerced. And I, I remember just bawling and thinking I'm doing this to her. Right. And so, um, just all, a few of those things, you know, my brother, the conveyor belt, and then this idea of like children and freedom and freedom in general, I was in, I mean, I was totally bought into it and I was, I was scared because I, uh, the only homeschoolers I'd ever known were kind of, they're kind of weird, you know, they were kind of weird. And so, and my husband was not on board at all. He thought it was a phase that would eventually go away. So he just kind of was like, yeah, okay, whatever. I mean, she's only three. So we still had a few years for me to, to realize like, this is crazy. What I'm not going to homeschool. This is crazy. But, um, but it, I was really fortunate that, that, the, that Rise Up Academy, um, which was a Commonwealth that was just starting, um, headed by the wonderful, amazing Dina Wells. Um, I just got connected with them immediately. So I think within just a few months, I went to Lemmy training with them. Um, and my first Lemmy training was library community series. And I remember, I remember sitting there, I, you know, I'm sitting there with Dina and her husband <laughs> and somebody else from the Commonwealth that I can't remember, but sitting there and being so blown away by these just like really intelligent women and men. And, and at the beginning, you know, what we now call mentoring essentials. I don't remember what we called it back then. Cause this is again, you know, around 14 years ago when we sat in the big auditorium, you know, and, and then listening to that presentation and letting it wash over me and so just so refreshing, so stimulating. And I loved every minute of it. I just loved every minute of it. So, um, yeah, that was my first training. And then I just kind of kept going back. I, I went, I did pyramid project, you know, I've done Georgics, I've done key of Liberty. I mean, I've, I, I just love the projects. So the scholar projects. So yeah, so that was kind of my, I don't know, is that, does that answer your question of how I got started? Yeah, definitely. How old was your oldest when you took your first training? So she would have been three. Yeah. Because this she is was right three years old. And yeah. you're taking, oh my gosh, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, she was three and I had a newborn. So Dallas, I mean, oh, sorry, Dallas is my baby. Austin was my middle child. I, I have three kids. I just put up more fingers. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad this is a podcast. <laughs> I just put up four fingers. I have three children. So Sierra is my oldest and she's 17. And then Austin is my middle child and he's 14. And then my youngest is Dallas, who is who is um, 11 turning 12. So uh, yeah, Sierra was a three-year-old and I had this newborn and I, I went to Lemmy training um, with the newborn and 
you know, um, I, I never, I didn't look at the price tag. I didn't care about the price tag. I was just so impressed by everything I was learning that I was hungry for it. I, I wanted more. I wanted to learn more. And I, um, I, you know, I, I graduated sixth out of 600 and, and I was in the honors program at George Washington university. I don't say that to brag. I I say that to, to say, I, I didn't stay at George Washington University. I ended up transferring to a couple of colleges, but, but I, I, you know, you would assume like I was educated and then I show up to Lemmy training and I'm like, I don't know anything. What, you know, I, I, I felt so uneducated. I didn't know anything. And so I was really excited and hungry and I, and um, humbled. I felt really humbled and I did feel kind of sad for myself that I was starting I felt like I, I was just starting from like zero, you know, and how much ground I had to cover because I remember sitting in one of the very first colloquia that little rise up was, was doing and people were quoting the founding fathers, founding fathers. I didn't even know existed. You know, they're just, they're just like rolling off their tongues and stories about the founding fathers or stories about this. And I just sat there going, Oh my gosh, I am so ignorant. I don't know anything. And um, so fortunately it was stuff that I was interested because I imagine that if there wasn't anything I was interested, I'd been like, ah, who cares? You know, like who cares that they're quoting the founding fathers, but I was curious. I was genuinely curious and excited to learn what other people, what other people knew um, and to grow in the way that they were growing and to raise my children the way that they were raising their children. So uh, those are all things that spoke to me, family, um, you, you know, the thought that my kids could be each other's best friends that thrilled me because I didn't have that growing up. So to me, that was so, such a huge, huge pull. Someone had said it and it just stuck with me. And I don't remember, it must've been at a colloquium or I think because someone had said that one of the benefits that they had seen in homeschooling for them was that their children, their children's allegiance was to their family. It wasn't to their friends at school, right? It wasn't to their teachers. And for some reason that really resonated with me because I, my siblings growing up, we were not united. We were not loyal to each other. I mean, my friends came first always before, before my siblings and our family just wasn't united. And now as an adult with two children, I wanted something very, very different. And I didn't know how to go about doing it. So when someone said, yeah, homeschooling is, I'm seeing this in homeschooling. I thought, bingo all right, let's do this. We're going to, you know, let's, let's, let's try this out. And 14 years later, I would say that, I don't know that I would say that my kids consider each other right now. I don't know that they would say that they're each other's best friends, but they certainly act like it. You know, they, they're, they're really, really good friends. And so that's been a huge blessing that I'm really grateful for. There's always that time of, of where like, I'm, I remember when I turned 16 and I was like, I like you, but I, I'm really struggling with my little brother, you know, and now I would say we're like really good friends, but there's always that phase when you're like that 16 where it's like, I need to, I need to get my own wings and fly. <laughs> and so, right. yeah, you like, you love your brother and you want to hang out with him, but sometimes you're just like, I just need a little space. <laughs> Definitely, for sure. Especially yeah. if you're homeschooled and you're around them all the time. Yeah. 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 But, so what, based off kind of what I've been hearing is your story, like, it seems to me like, um, parenting for you was you like taken I don't want to say like very seriously but you you took on the call of being a parent mm -hmm. I think very in a unique way because I think sometimes people you know oh I'm a parent it's just like oh this happened <laughs> like, <laughs> but it sounds to me it's like no I I want to be very purposeful in how I choose to parent Mm -hmm. So do you think that's just part of your personality? Like, I want to live a life with purpose. Or do you think that came from, I don't know, where do you think that comes from? Sorry, this is just me being curious. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, I think my Christian faith, you know, I'm a, I, I believe in Christ. I believe that there's a plan of happiness for all of us. I think that 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 puts on a a burden of responsibility, right? When you think in those terms that I have a duty to these children to teach them about their savior and to help them return to him. Uh, and so um, I I think that a lot of it came from that, right? From my Christian background, feeling that I had a, a, real, a real responsibility to raise them well and feeling that I 
that although my parents were great, that there were a lot of patterns there that I didn't want to repeat. Uh, and I, and I didn't know how, because it, because to be honest with you, I wasn't excited about being a parent. When I was a kid, I was interested in adults. I wanted to be around adults and adult conversations. I never wanted to baby. I babysat once because I was guilted into it. And, you know, and I was a really responsible kid. So people would always ask me to babysit people from from church would always ask to babysit and I was like I don't like little kids I don't want to be I don't want to I don't want to change diapers or be around little kids because I just loved being around adults so it wasn't anything I was really really eager to do um but once I had my daughter I mean honestly I was terrified of being a parent because even like I, I mean I, I don't know if this is too much to share on the podcast but even the idea of nursing gross me out so much, right? It freaked me out. And I, and I like super grossed me out. And I was like, I don't want to do it, but I had read enough. I'd gone to classes and like, this is the best thing you could do for your child. I'm like, oh, that's so gross, but okay. And then the moment they handed me Sierra, it was like, oh, you were the greatest thing in the universe. I will do anything for you, you know? And then the nursing was like natural and and so my heart just changed in an instant. But prior to that, I wasn't really excited about being a parent. I, I, um, when I found out I was pregnant, I was applying to Columbia for a PhD program. Uh, there were I had my sights on other things, not necessarily parenting. But again, once it happened, then I was like, okay, I'm ready. Like this, you know, I'm pregnant. I'm gonna do this. Let's let's commit to this. So, um, so I think also because I waited, Sarah was. I think I was 30 when I had Sierra, which is a long time, you know, and that's definitely something I regret waiting so long because then I loved kids. <laughs> I realized, oh my gosh, I love kids. I want eight of them. You know, <laughs> I think I want eight of them. Um, but, um, but anyway, so I, I think that combination of my, my religious background and then the love, the instant love that I felt for those kids, for my, sorry, for my daughter, um, really made me dig deep inside of me and realize I, how do I do this? How do I do this? Well, because I love this child so, 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 so much. And homes, God seemed to put homeschooling in my path as a way to refine me as a parent, as a person, because I'm naturally a very selfish person. I'm very, very selfish. I want to do my own thing and I want to do it on my time. And when you're a parent, you, you have to kind of put those things aside for somebody else, but it's still hard. You know, I still have those, those, um, those things I'm interested, like my little side projects and pet projects that I love to do. So for me, it's been, it's been, I think more for me, a refining process for me. I think I'm a better person because I homeschooled uh, my kids than I would have been otherwise, just me personally. And so, cause you, you can't, you can't teach anything to your children. You can't homeschool them if you have a terrible relationship with them. So I have had, there's, it's been a ref, I mean, let me tell you a painful refining process to become the kind of person that your kids are willing to work with, you know, or, and, and I still have a long ways to go. I mean, I had a crucial conversation with my 17 year old where she spoke some really painful truths to me. I mean, heart wrenching. I was in bed for like two days thinking I'm a horrible human being. I'm the worst mom ever. Cause she pointed some things out that I knew were true. Some personal failings that were affecting our relationship. And uh, so anyway, I, so I think that's where it comes from. Just love, like real deep, deep, passionate Mexican mama love for my babies, I think is where it comes from, Tatiana. <laughs> no, I, I love that. I, I was just going to say, like, one of the things that um, Kathy Malore always says is that Lemmy heals generations. And mm -hmm. sometimes you think, like, oh, this is just a, a scholar endeavor or a scholar, you know, project, because that's what we call them. <laughs> okay. But, like, we don't really see that the impact is actually what you just talked about is like is being self-reflective and being able to look into your internal family structures and look into your relationships with your with your with your children and and actually build healthier relationships i for our what's it called the gathering project that we're doing in my community we just recently read laddie and my husband was like he's very willing to learn, read books he loves to read and i'm very mm -hmm. grateful for his willingness to do that so he was listening to to laddie and 
he was like, oh my gosh, this book is so awesome. It taught me so many things about what I need to change about my character. But like, you mm. think you're reading a book for the purpose of like, you know, getting the knowledge, but it's like, no, it's, it's for the purpose of changing you for the purpose of like helping you see your weaknesses and improve upon them so that you can, you know, fix them. Right. Know? Absolutely. Were you going to say something, Heidi? Yeah, I, I just wanted to know, um, Olivia, did the community, you, you were talking about Rise Up, um, did that community help you with your parenting? Or leadership education in general? Yeah, I think so, because the things where we were reading were um, just like with what Tatiana said, you know, you read Laddie and you can't help but admire the mom and the dad. Both of them are excellent, excellent examples of parenting, of, of wonderful parenting. So by reading, um, by reading great classics and great men and women, I think I was exposed to things that, or um, examples that were meaningful to me because again, and again, this is not to suggest that my parents were bad parents, um, but um, you know, but I hope every generation tries to be better, tries to fix some of the, right, some of the patterns that they grew up with. I hope my children um, are better parents. I'm sure they will. They're already better kids than I was at, the, at their age. So I was grateful for learning new ways of, of um, like Tatiana has been said, improving my character and that exposure to greatness. We talked, I don't know that we use that, that terminology anymore, but this coming face to face with greatness. We used to talk about that there used to be seminars, right? Face to grace, face to face with greatness seminars. That was inspiring. It really was inspiring to me to want to be better. So I think in in um, in general, for my own life in general, my community was definitely inspiring. I was I was seeing what um, mentor. I wasn't mentoring a project in my community at the time. I was in with the, with the young kids, and but I would see. I was always observing. You know, I was always observing what was going on. And I remember my very first real impression of what scholars could do and this is what I, I had hoped for my children was a Shakespeare play that they did and I will never forget how blown away I was I couldn't I can't I don't remember what play it was but it was steampunk they chose like a steampunk theme and it was like so impressive like I was blown away by these by these young 12 and 13 year olds you know doing this this incredible thing and and um and so I I knew that I definitely wanted this for my kids that it was in I was everything was in theory for a while it was theoretical but then when you saw when you see a Shakespeare play you're just blown away by what these kids can do so my community gave me vision right they gave me a vision of what was possible and they gave me the support and the friendship that you need when you're just starting off that that was huge for me was that support particularly because my husband was so against it I, I really needed the support from other friends because my husband, um, yeah, he was just super against it until, until something happened that changed his mind, fundamentally changed his mind forever. But up until that, that miraculous moment, he, he just wasn't happy about it. So I, I, I was, I felt I was on, I was, it was a huge leap of faith for me to say that this is going to work because I had never homeschooled, you know, I wasn't homeschooled. I'd never known homeschoolers. So to be around other homeschoolers who were normal, whose kids were leading successful lives after leaving their homes, I needed that. Does that make sense? Um, it totally makes sense. And that's one of the reasons why every month, uh, the Lemmy Works podcast, we're having graduates so people can have I that vision. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that vision is so important to be able to see what these kids can do with their lives with a Lemmy education. And mm -hmm. yeah, no, so I totally get that. Yeah. That's so awesome. my community was, Rise Up was, was a blessing. I mean, a huge blessing for me to be able to read, you know, the TJ Ed book and then immediately come into this, this loving, love, loving, lovely community. Um, I, I didn't realize what, a what, um, an exceptional blessing that was until later when I moved to Tucson and there was no <laughs> Commonwealth anywhere near me. And then I realized now what am I going to do? You know, that I had taken it. I don't want to say that I had taken it for granted, but I did. I just didn't realize what a rare 
really what a rare thing it was for me to live within minutes of so many people who were trying to do leadership education. I mean, and we're doing it right. We're doing it. So you started that when you were, you know, children really little, how old were your, were your kids when you left the community then? Um, we, let me think, uh, I think Sierra was, she just turned 10 when we got to Tucson. Yeah. We moved from Lehigh to Tucson. Um, so then did you just like jump in and start a come with, or you like do little mom groups or like what would, Oh my word. No. So actually she was nine. I just realized she turned nine, um, the summer we moved here July of 2014. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she was, she turned nine. So no, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I, I just didn't think that there wouldn't be a Commonwealth waiting when I got here. I did. It didn't even cross my mind. So when I got here and I looked around and there was nothing, I'm ladies, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I bawled. Like I cried. I mourned the loss of rise up because I thought to me, rise up was, was it, it was like the best community. And, and I just thought I'll never have that again. You know, I was kind of like really depressed for a little while thinking I will never have that again. And then the thought came, oh my goodness, if I want this, I'm going to have to start this. And then I really got scared because I just didn't, I didn't feel that I had what it took um, to really, to bring people together to do something like this. I mean, I'm a pretty driven person and I'm, you know, I, I, I get, I get things done, but did I really have the people skills <laughs> to, you know, uh, my whole life, I kind of, I didn't have girlfriends. I liked hanging out with guys better. I didn't get along with women and I, I don't have any sisters. So for me to be at Rise Up was interesting because it was all women, you know, and, but we got along and I, and, but now to think, okay, now I have to start this from scratch was overwhelming. So I didn't, and, and I got really sick soon after we got to Tucson, I got really, really sick with adrenal fatigue and thyroid problems that I, that, that went undiagnosed for a, quite a while until I finally went to um, someone who was able to diagnose it. And, but up until, but until it got diagnosed, I mean, I was a, physically, I was a mess and I couldn't do anything, but I knew my, my children needed something outside of home. So, uh, I was really blessed to have a friend in my church congregation who also homeschooled and said, Hey, I'm a part of this little co-op. You should join us. And so I said, okay, it's not rise up, you know, it's not a Commonwealth, but it's better than nothing. So I joined it and we were there for a couple of years, a couple of years, but it was very clear to me from the beginning that, that it was, that wasn't my, that wasn't going to be where we were going to stay because, just, just to give you an idea, we were, I, I lovingly, very lovingly called that group, the Island of the Misfits, because it was everybody that couldn't join the big, big Christian homeschool co-op here in Tucson, right? It was everyone who couldn't join them basically ended up at Credo is, is the name. Um, because this, the big Christian co-op required, um, a, a statement of faith. It required all of its members to sign a statement of faith. And if you are, you know, Catholic or a Latter-day Saint, um, you or maybe even agnostic or atheist, certainly you couldn't join that. You couldn't sign it in good, you know, in good conscience. So the, so those of us who couldn't sign it joined this credo. Um, and, and so, it, it, you know, for a, few, for a little while, it worked because it was very transactional. I show up and teach a class. My kids have a fun little PE class and an art class. And Sierra was young, you know, she's still only nine and then 10. Uh, so it was fine, but there wasn't any, we didn't have, there wasn't a vision, a common vision that, that held us together. And one of the things that really bothered me was that during the Pledge of Allegiance, which the president at the time really was passionate about making sure we did, a, a handful of the families would sit down, like they would purposely sit down when in, in silent protest to doing the, the Pledge of Allegiance. And it really bothered me. It really, really bothered me because I'm an immigrant to this country. And I see what life is in other parts of the world, you know, I'm, um, and I, and I just saw it as like the height of ingratitude and, um, and, and arrogance to do something like that to dis, I don't know, it, it just felt disrespectful to me. So I thought this is what it's always going to be like. I don't know that I want my children around this, this kind of environment. So 
as soon as my, my health was well enough, then, you know, we left it. And then, um, I, I, my daughter was turning, she was going to be turning 12. This was so around like November of what would it have been 2016, the presidential election. There were two things that finally pushed me out of my comfort zone to start Altus, which is the name of our community, Altus Family Library Academy. Uh, the presidential election was one. I was so disgusted by the lack of statesmanship, the lack of respect and decency shown, not just by the candidates themselves, but also by the average American posting so much vitriol on, you know, Facebook and, 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 or in conversations or like emails I was getting by people from people uh, saying horrible things about you know, both candidates that I, I thought I can't let my country go down in flames and I've got to do something. And I'm not, you know, I'm not so delusional as to think oh, I'm going to save the country. Uh, I, I'm not there. You know, I was a little, I maybe I thought that at, at some time in my youth, but not certainly not by that point. But I realized that regardless of whether I can make a huge impact or not, I have to do something. And I felt like um, starting a commonwealth and and educating the people around me about about the rule of law, you know, and 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 also um, um, public virtue really resonated with me. And I thought that's a term that not even people can't even define what public virtue is. I couldn't define it when I was first introduced to it. I just kind of thought I put two definitions together, public and then virtue, you know, virtue that you show out in, in public, not as opposed to private, as opposed to private. And there, and that's, and sure that can mean that, but it means so much more. So I thought at least I can do this. So that was the first, the first, um, well, not the first, but one of the reasons why I thought I've got to do something. And the second one was that my daughter was 11 turning 12. She would be 12 the summer of 2015. No, sorry, 2017. And I wanted her to take um, Shakespeare and Key of Liberty. And so I thought, well, it's it's now or now. And so um, in February of 2017, I started just to, yeah, I just started, I reached out to to Kathy Malore and I told her what I was planning on doing. And then it just happened to be that, that she and Amy and Tiffany were putting together the, um, the school builder, um, you know, um, not, it's not a project. What do we call it, Heidi? The school builder. We're interrupting this broadcast to remind you to share and subscribe. Also be sure and check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. I guess it's a project, we can call it a project, um, where it's like a self-paced um, program, right? Where you're mentored on how to start your own community. It, Yeah, it's the Library Community School Builder. There you go, the Library Community School Builder. So it wasn't even finished, but when I called Kathy, I said, just send me what you have. I just need to know how to start this thing. And Dina, I reached out to Dina Wells and she was super helpful. And I remember, I remember just thinking, Heavenly Father, if you can just give me, you know, like six people, we can make this happen. We can start this. And I was just thinking so small at the time because I was, I didn't know, I didn't really know very many people yet. And I, and people that I did talk to that homeschooled had never heard of Lemmy. No one had heard of Lemmy. And, you know, few people, a couple of people had heard of leadership education through T Thomas Jefferson education, but it was, uh, but really people were going to be taking if they if they joined Altus they would be taking a huge leap of faith because it was just all so new but by the fall of 2017 we started with 17 families and I was blown away I just couldn't even believe it now let me just say I worked it I did work it I was I was showing up at park days and talking to moms I did you know an online presentation in which I, like a like, like a little college cottage meeting right I did a little cottage meetings in my home and online so wherever I could get in front of people to talk to them about leadership education and Altus I did and so that um yeah that's that's how I got people interested enough to to join and I yeah, and I, I just looked at our first yearbook and 10 of those families that we started with are still with us. The others, you know, they've moved away, um, uh, unfortunately, but but six years later, this is our, we're in our sixth year right now. And it's it's wonderful to know that this is this works, right? Let me works, let me works. And, and we're doing great. So did I answer your question, Heidi? <laughs> definitely, definitely. I love it. Um, 
Yeah. And I loved how you explained how you, you had to build it and, and why, uh, now you are one of the lead trainers for our, um, our school leadership training. Can you tell us about that? Because that's kind of, it's goes a step further than the library community builder. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, that, so that project that we started came about from, um, okay. So Altus had been around for like two years, three years. I have a terrible memory when it comes to specifics like that, but like two or three years. And, uh, Katie Richens, who is also the trainer, right? And she, and she and I are really good friends. And we would just talk about how magical Altus was and how well things went. And, and people would always say like, you guys have something really special here. And we felt it too. Um, our culture was very healthy and very strong. And we had um, amazing families that would join. And so I, I, I knew I was, this must've been, you know, this really must've been around maybe the end of year two, the beginning of year three, because as torchbearer, I was only going to be um, president for one more year. So three years total, three years total as torchbearer. And I wanted to leave Altus on solid ground. So we still didn't have uh, a constitution or governing documents, you know, um, because I just hadn't spent the time to sit down and really write those, but I knew that I couldn't leave it. And I just could not hand it over to the next president without a constitution or without governing documents. So we, so she and I, Katie and I would have these really in-depth conversations about, about what makes for a strong community long-term. What are the principles? We were always looking for the principles because we saw, we, you know, we saw what was happening, but we wanted to dig deeper to the what and the how to figure out, well, why does this working? Why is our community working so well? Why are we, do we get along so well? And why, you know, why, why, why? Um, and at the time I, so I, I called Tiffany and I, I wanted to talk to her about, about um, studying these principles. Like I wanted her to tell me to, to give me some leads on books I could read or resources I could study where I could really dig deep into um, the principles behind strong communities. And, you know, she's always so surprising. She always just surprises me with her generosity and said, let's do this together. You know, let me, let me do some research and let's do this together. And so she came back and after doing her own very, very deep dive into, into constitutions and to governing documents. And she came back, I mean, she blew us away with what she had discovered. And she discovered that, that the, the, the constitutions that people were using or the governing documents that, that people were using in most commonwealths were actually following a wrong form. It was more of a business form. So, you know, you had like, um, executive, like the, the executive board. I think that sometimes people call them like the executive board, right? Well, we're not businesses. So why do we have an executive board? And so that was really interesting. Just things that we took for face, took on face value that um, really didn't fit what we were, which is that we were an educational enterprise. You know, we're not a business. So one thing that she, um, she talked about with, which made so much sense was that we needed an education plan. And up until then, I had never heard anyone talk about an education plan um, that we needed to define our education philosophy. If we wanted Altus to stay Altus for many, many years without the natural drifting that happens. I mean, we've seen in the United States, we've seen our constitution has drifted away, you know, and in some cases has been willfully yanked away from um, that secure, those secure moorings um, that are based on principles on, on gov- principles of governance that it can happen to anybody. So I like, how do we hedge against that? I, I don't want my community to drift so far off course that in 10 years, in 20 years, if it's hopefully still around, it's, you know, it, it doesn't look anything like what we intended at the beginning. So she helped us. She really helped us think through the, the a better form for our governing documents. And then that sort of um, developed into, well, we, I want my Altus people to be trained on these things long-term because I do know, um, I think it's Peter Drucker that says that, um, you know, 
that she, he calls the organizations he's worked with like learning organizations. We are a learning organization. And that if you're not learning, you're dying. And I, I really believe that. So I knew that if we, if I wanted Altus to stay strong, we needed training. We needed to be trained consistently because we would always have an influx of new people. And so, um, so then the conversation naturally led to, well, what if this turns into a, a three-day training project? just like Key of Liberty and, you know, and Georgics and Pyramid, et cetera. So we, yeah, so we developed this three-day training that we now call school leadership training that is not just meant for um, board members of a community. It's really meant for everybody in the community because we cover principles um, that, that everybody should know, not just the governing board. And at Altis, we we every year we pay for our entire community to go. Everybody can go. Um, and um, and it's been you know I I feel like it's been one of the best things we've we could have done for our community is to in to pay for them to to attend this training on a yearly basis because we revisit these these principles that these community building principles right that that make for strong communities like culture we talk about culture we talk about the difference between why um like having a vision you have to have a vision and the and the leader has is it the leader is they are in charge of transmitting that that vision of protecting the mission by constantly reminding people of of the vision that's like their primary role right they're the key i call them they're the keepers of the vision and so, um, but you, but it's it's a it takes a skill set. I mean, you have to have a V mask. We we call it you know leadership V mask. There is a vision and an understanding of the of the mission and a set of ability, skills, and knowledge that you've got to have to lead a community. Um, and so, what are those things? Right? Let's study them. Let's let's figure out what those things are and study them, and then figure out where we need to grow. Because you might be gifted. You might be really gifted at um, at yeah, at, at casting vision, um, but maybe you're not so strong in relationships with people that are different from you or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So, so we, we study principles and we figure out, we find a way to apply them to ourselves. Okay. So I have a question because as you're think as you're talking about everything here, I kind of was like <laughs> feeling slightly overwhelmed because uh, it's a lot of work. So I want you to tell okay let's pretend i'm a overwhelmed homeschool mom it's <laughs> like why would i go through all this work to do all this to create <laughs> this thing why like you know give me give me a reason why i would do this like instead of just like you know finding an extra 300 dollars a month to send my kid to a cottage school or just sure. signing the statement of faith why why would i do this that's such a good question. And it's a question, I'll be honest, that we revisit the trainers for school leadership training every year to make sure that that we're not that we have in ourselves drifted so far off from, you know, from the new person's experience that we can't even relate anymore. We're not talking the same language. Um, I it's my personal belief that you can't do leadership education without a community, without the support of a community. You really, really need additional mentors for your children. At some point, your children need other voices besides your own that are gonna that are gonna be second witnesses to what you're trying to do, that love your children. Um, excuse me, I, I can't be everything to my children. I'm not trying to be everything to my children. Um, so so I the support of a of a of a community of mentors who love my children and are modeling for them how to obtain uh, a, a, the best education possible, that to me is, is I mean, it, it's, you have to have it, right? You, you just, you, if you wanna do leadership education, you need great mentors besides yourself, besides yourself. And, and that alone, so, so you have to decide, I wanna do leadership education, okay, then the next thing is you're gonna need a community. And if you don't have a community, then you have to decide how much, how badly do you want a leadership education for your children? And, and for me, you know, well, let me back up. Leadership education can sound kind of vague to people. Um, or, or I've also had people say, well, my kids don't want to be leaders. My kids are shy. They're, in, you know, they're introverted. They don't see themselves as leaders. 
And, uh, and that's a fair, you know, that's a fair thing to say if, if that's how we define leadership education. I don't believe that's how we define it. In fact, it's not how we define it. But at Altus, our why statement is that we believe that everyone deserves the kind of education that will help them um, prepare to discover and live their missions. And let me tell you, that is a lot harder than it sounds to find and live your missions. It's a, it's a lifelong pursuit, right? That kind of has twists and turns. And and if you if you are a purpose driven person, then then you're constantly looking for like, what does God want me to do? What He's given me these 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 desires, these dissatisfactions. Also, what do I do with that? I want to. I don't want to waste my time chasing the wrong things that, that, so that when I'm 80 or 90, I'm going to look back with so many regrets, right. That I chased the wrong thing. Uh, so I, again, a community that is striving after that as well is to me is helpful because, um, we, yeah, we need those mentors and we need, and then our kids need, they need, um, peers, peers that are also striving after the same thing that are good examples and i believe in iron sharpening iron you know that that stretches and and help us to grow so if you are if it's if it sounds overwhelming i i think you kind of have to just peel it back all the way down to the core and decide ultimately what is it that you want because if your why is strong enough uh, if it's deep enough if it's important enough then the how right the challenge of the how um, you'll be able to overcome it. And, and I know that this, maybe this may not be everybody's experience. It was for me. And that's the only thing I can speak about, but I'll tell you that I was very, very hesitant to start Altus because I was afraid. I was afraid of failure. I was really, really afraid of failure. And, and it felt like I can fail independent, you know, on my own personally, but to bring people along for a failing venture terrified me because I'd already, I felt like I'd already kind of done something like that where I tried something and I brought people along who trusted me and then it kind of fell apart. Not, not in a, not in a, in the homeschool world or anything, but something different. And I was really afraid of that. So I was afraid of failure. And I was also definitely afraid of the work because I was still coming out of this adrenal fatigue and, you know, and my thyroid issues. I was really afraid of the work. I was afraid of the 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 female dynamics, the women dynamics, because at the time I was still like, oh, girls are drama, you know, women are drama, and do I really want that drama in my life? And I and now, you know, I I'm so far off of that. I love my sisters, my Alta sisters. I love women. They they're my dearest friends. So that's definitely changed. But those things really really um, gave me pause. And I just had to decide how badly do I want this? How badly do I want it? And do I want it enough to put the work into it? And, and the moment I decided, can I just tell you, and again, I know I don't, I don't want to have anyone co contact me later and said, you made me feel like this would happen to me. And it hasn't been my, my experience, but for me, I just felt like once I made the decision, God just opened door after door after door. And even though it is a lot of work, it's like launching your own business. It's like launching a brand new business. You know, there's so much energy and so much effort and work that goes, that goes into it at the beginning, um, that it, it can feel like a burden. It never felt like a burden. And, and honestly, never, ever felt like a burden to me because just God just seemed to put the right people in at this, at the right time. And, you know, I, I, I mean, the hardest to me, one of the hardest things logistically, when you're starting off is just finding a building that, that you can, that you can pay for that wants you there, wants you with a bunch of kids there that has all the rooms that you have that's safe, you know, that has a, a, a play area. I mean, there's so many boxes that have to be checked off. And for me, it just fell on my lap and we're still in the same place. You know, I know of other schools who have been kicked out for various reasons and they're constantly having to chase the building. You know, that was a rise up. That was at rise up. I felt like we were at a, in a different building every year. But for me, it's God just seemed to open doors, which which comforted me to know we're doing something good here. You know, we're doing something good here. And I'll tell you one thing that has that surprised me that I wasn't expecting as a result of starting a Commonwealth was that I can look back now with tremendous satisfaction that Altus blesses families. And I think that's why God keeps helping us, keeps helping us figure out the problems and the challenges that come. Because the, the number one thing that I hear back from parents is how blessed their families have been.
because of their association with Altus. So if you're an over, if you know, if you're looking at the, if you're looking at the mountain of work um, of all of it, it, it can be hard to see past that mountain, all the great, amazing things that will come from that, from climbing that mountain and, and, you know, and, and doing whatever it takes to start a community. It's hard to see it. So the, I, I can tell you though, that amazing, wonderful, tremendous things happen in a, can happen from a community. Um, I've learned to be, you know, I've learned to be in community. I think homeschoolers have a really hard time sometimes knowing how to be in community, how to have calm. It's like wrangling cats, you guys. Sometimes it feels like we're wrangling cats who are so independent, but, but being a community, you kind of learn that, yeah, freedom is great. I'm a freedom lover, but when you're a community, you agree to give up some of those freedoms to gain something of value. And that can be hard. Where do you draw the line? As an example, I mean, when 2020 happened, there, you know, there were the people who were like, we, I will not meet if you ask me to wear a mask, you know, and, and then there were others who were like, I can't meet unless everyone wears a mask because my child's health is, is in, you know, is, is, um, is compromised. Uh, so again, like here we are, well, how are we going to be a community? What does that look like in the face of so much opposition? And, uh, and there were some kind of hairy moments where we were worried, like, are we going to survive this? Are we, is Altus going to exist after this, right? Like, what is that going to look like? But, but because we were, we always went back to principles and to our, our vision, um, our why statement, we were able to navigate those, those challenges that came up and, you know, now we're getting ready to split. So this year, um, I'm fairly positive. We're, we're in the process right now of finding leaders for two full governing boards, but it's looking really, really good. Like we're going to, we're going to split. So that, I think that says a lot about, yeah, about the strength of community. But if you don't know how to be in community, and I, I think Americans, we've lost that. We really have lost even how to be a, a neighbor. I, I don't know. So uh, there's all those things, you know, <laughs> I think that are worth it, are worth it. I totally agree that community is so important to our kids. And I know, I mean, my four older boys are graduated, graduated from college off on their own. And my oldest has expressed to me how important it is for, he understands the importance of community. And he understands that because he saw me do it, you know, me help build a community and see a community built from the ground up, he knows it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and to me, you, I mean, if he learned nothing else in all of the years I homeschooled him, I'm like, that is one blessing that right. I, I've given him to that value of community. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful for that. It is. It is wonderful. I agree. It's a good lesson to pick up. Yeah. Thanks for answering that question. I wasn't trying to just put you in a hot spot like that, but <laughs> <laughs> I, as you were talking, the kind of the thoughts that I had was, um, we do the hard thing because, you know, you talked about earlier, like that strong Mexican mother love, you know, you came, you know, when your baby was placed in your arms. I think knowing what your children need can sometimes really push us through the pain to get it for them, right? Like, right. and it's, it's interesting because like when we started building the Commonwealth and working on helping to start a Commonwealth here in Kentucky. And um, I just was like, I can't do this. This is not something that I have the mental capacity to handle right now. I'm just way over stressed with just surviving and getting my kids to learn to read. <laughs> like, you know, just like that's their world right now. Like we have, you know, all these kids, they're not reading. And, and so that was where I was at was just like, this is so overwhelming. Right. But then, like, um, my sister called me up and was like, oh, my, you know, my daughter, she is not doing well in school and I don't know what to do. And I work full time and my husband works full time and I've got to find something. I really wish that there was a Commonwealth that we could do something and she could do that. And like, my heart was just like, yeah, I've got to build this for her. And it's not going to be easy. Like, it's going to be totally, really painful. But like, when you, you're called upon to 
to, you know your that your kid needs this like your kid there's no other options that are going to work for that kid like then you and it was crazy so like i got up the courage and i was like this idea that i have been a part of and <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think and like like oh that sounds awesome you know like and then it's just like you said it's just like we're like let's go forward we don't have a building we don't have anybody there we're just gonna put it out there and like within within four months it was put together you know and like you know so it's like it's just like you said when you act in faith knowing that i don't know how to do this but it's going to happen it does and it, and it, and it's and as we're like you know halfway through the first year like watching these kids change and watching like just thinking about like it was hard to be 13 when we were all 13 right i know it was hard but it's like <laughs> i feel like it's 10 million times harder to be 13 today for sure it's for because there's so much confusion and there's so much access and there's so much knowledge and like but yet it's just confusion you know and yeah. i like look at these you know little 13 year olds in my classroom and I'm like, just I'm going to hold a safe place for you. And I'm going to help you see a path through this chaos that you're experiencing. And, you know, so many times parents be like, thank you so much for just being there for my child and loving my child. And I'm like, yes, this is, this is why you do it because they need it, you know, and it takes so, great so, faith. So Tatiana, what you're talking about is what I'm talking about as well is that children need great mentors in their lives more than ever. But yeah. again, like to be a mentor, there's also a V mask to that. We kind of have to learn how to mentor, how to be mentors, that it's different from just being a teacher. Cause I taught in the school system for a very short amount of time, but you know, some, any, you could hand me a book. I mean, a textbook, a teacher's edition textbook and say, teach this to children. And without having experienced it outside of the textbook, I could deliver, right. I could deliver the lessons and teach children. That's not mentoring. When mm -hmm. we're talking about mentoring children, I mean, I mean, I you, you're young enough to probably have grown with this, grown up with cell phones. Uh, I didn't grow up with the cell phone, so I feel like I'm, I'm learning. I'm just a step ahead of my kids on learning how to manage this double-edged sword that you know that that is mm -hmm. dangerous but powerful. This very powerful tool, which is also, I mean, like a weapon almost. It feels like. <laughs> Yeah. How do I mentor them? Well, I'm mentoring them because I'm just one step ahead of them. And, and I, and, and the fact that you love those children says so much. So I think again, more than ever before, our children need mentors and a community. That if, if you're able to gather a community of people who want to know how to be great mentors to youth, my gosh, what greater thing could you be involved with to be, to help youth? to help moms and dads and families. That speaks to me. That really, really speaks to me is strengthening families. I'm still trying to figure out how to, you know, how to be a wife, but I'm still working on that. So the fact that I'm a part of a community that reads, that reads books that are trying to help me with my character, just like your husband, Tatiana, I, I can't imagine spending my effort, my limited resources on, on anything other than, you know, than something like that. I love that you bring up the element of mentoring because like people are like oh wow you're such a good a good mentor and I'm like if you have you seen the movie Inside Out <laughs> yeah so it's like this is how my mentor brain works I like <laughs> I'm like watching the kid and do something or say something and there's like the panic freaky guy just running around in my head being like what do I say what do I do what do I say what do I do like, and then like but the person controlling the ship is just like say nothing do nothing just sit there. <laughs> And in my head, it's like, I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I'm just like, <laughs> like, that's literally like how I feel sometimes. It's like, I really just have like this crazy fear thing going around in my head. And then the only reason why I think I'm any halfway decent mentor is because I've learned to like, just push the pause button and just like freeze and just like take a deep right? breath and be like, how do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret, Tatiana. If you want to be a great mentor, just have that question in your back pocket at all times. Well, what do you think you should do in this situation? What do you think about this? And that gives you enough time, you know, to, yeah, to come up with something better sometimes. If not yeah. or not, sometimes their answer is brilliant. Most of the time, what they come up with, they have the answers in them. They just need someone to kind of pull them out of them. And I like that about mentoring too, though. It's like, you know, you talked about how like, you have this 
core book of knowledge like textbook when you're teaching and it's supposed to be given to them somehow but it's like mm-hmm. when when did kids become computers you could just upload information to it's like right. so non-existent so it's right. like if if there's knowledge they need to know you can't just give it to them they, they're not gonna get it like <laughs> my nephew's in high school right now he's like and i'm like have you heard about chat gpt he's like oh yeah that's how i'm getting good grades now <laughs> <So it's> like, <laughs> no it's like well i don't need to know this information it's stupid and i'm like so it's like from the beginning when a teacher confronts them and said you have to know this then the student is totally disengaged instead of being like whoa i found this cool amazing knowledge you want to find it come with me you know like that's the difference mentality between like a mentor and a teacher you know it's like come with me let's find this you know you discover it you have these epiphanies you get this knowledge so i like that you bring that up because it is very different so so as far as mentoring goes you're also starting a new endeavor with mentoring mm-hmm. tell us a little about that you bet and um, thank you for thank you for reminding me about that well we so a few a few friends of mine from altis andrea peterson and katie richens whom i've already mentioned and i uh launched library education just this month oh actually last month i guess january 2023 because we we meet a lot of people through our roles katie's katie and i meet a lot of people through our role as school leadership trainers we meet a lot of people who who don't have access to local commonwealths local library communities they don't have access to it they maybe because they've moved you know they've moved like i did i moved from from utah and then to tucson and there's nothing here and, and like you voiced Tatiana, it can feel really overwhelming to start something from scratch. And so some, so some people simply don't, and they're sad because they're like, but I want my kids to have these wonderful projects. The, the experience of the scholar projects, they're, they're just phenomenal learning opportunities. But if you don't have some, if you don't have access to it, then yeah, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a loss. It's a huge, huge loss. So over the, over the years, we've met so many friends and, and Andrea has relatives who would love to have access to the scholar projects, but simply just don't have a, a Commonwealth near them. And as we were, as we've been talking about, as we, you know, over the years, as we've talked about these people that we love, we thought, gosh, we just, we should just do something, but never really serious, you know, <laughs> like never really like, we should really just start an online community because again, it's a lot of work and I'm still a homeschool mom. And, and do I really want to, you know, do I really want to do this? Um, but finally we pulled, we, we just decided this needs to, this, there's a, there's a need for it in the Lemmy universe in the Lemmy world. There's a real need for it. Um, we have enough experience. We feel that this is going to, this is new, but not so new that we don't know what we're doing. You know, we do, I feel like we do. Katie's a trainer, a Lemmy trainer. I'm a Lemmy trainer. So I feel like we have some things going for us that, that makes it so that um, we can confidently offer a, a, an online library experience, library community experience that although is not the same as having something local and in-person, you know, th- there's nothing better than that. But if you don't have access to that, then I think what we're offering with library education um, is a, a real close second, you know, second to that. So what library education is, is an, an online library community um, in which we're offering the scholar projects and some other classes that that we're putting together ourselves. So, for example, you know, right now uh, is not a, it's not a good time to 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 offer the beginning or just to start a Lemmy project because it's Jan or it's February. So we're going to be doing that in the fall. But in the meantime, we wanted people to kind of get to know us and get to know how how library education works. So we're offering four to six week classes uh, for scholars and for moms. Um, like I'm really excited about the one, uh, one, a class I'm offering for moms called Metaphors and Motifs. And it's how to mentor our, our children through really great, you know, great fiction. Um, there's so much to learn in great fiction, but it, again, it takes a certain skill set to be able to pull out uh, the really deep nuggets that great, great, great classics have to offer. And it's not something that 
that I walked out of high school with the ability to read a, something hard, you know, something challenging and difficult and mine all those wonderful nuggets out of it. I didn't walk out with that. So it's been over years and years and years that I've studied this and I thought, okay, we can do this. You know, let's offer, so let's offer this to moms. How, to, how do you as a mom, how can you approach a challenging classic? And then what are, um, what are some things that, that you can, or, or how can you then take that knowledge, that skill set, and and help your kids start the process of learning how to how to read great classics? So that's just one class, right? We're, so anyway, so we're yeah. So this is a this is a an online a new online library community, and and whether you live somewhere where you have zero access to uh, local projects or you know, no one around you knows about Lemmy or leadership education, like we're for you. But also if you are in an established community, it's kind of challenging for established communities to offer all of the projects. We just don't have the manpower. Altus right now just doesn't have the manpower to offer every single project that every kid in our, and we have a lot of kids. I mean, I think we're up to like 120, 120 kids. You know, that's a lot of kids. So to offer all of the projects, we just don't have the manpower because we we cap our, our community at like 30 to 32 families. L, uh, library education wants to fill in the gaps in your community so that if one year your community can't offer Quest 3 or can't offer Edison, that we hope you'll consider taking it you know, from us so that it relieves some of the pressure from um, from governing boards to, to, to try and be everything to everybody. It's just not possible. We hope that we can fill in some of those gaps for those um, for those people as well. That's awesome. We'll definitely put a link to your website and things that you're doing in the in the show description. Thank um, you. But that's that's phenomenal. I taught Lemmy classes online for a long time with LEA, mm -hmm. and me too. Um, yeah, we both yeah. did. It was it was phenomenal. The like the kids that I reached were kids were like in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, they're like I had one kid and I was like, where do you live? Like, oh, you know, we're like the border of Canada. And I get like, no, I don't know where you are. <laughs> like, so it's really kind of cool to build and be able to help them. And and I have some great relationship with those students even to this day. You know that we're so it's it's not ideal. I definitely don't think it's ideal, but like right. it's it's functional and it, it's actually inspiring. And and the kids do do really well. You know, so it can be done. And so it's awesome that you're doing it and making that available. It's amazing. Yeah. When I worked for LEA, I, I, like you said, I had people from all over the world. I mean, I, there was a student I had from Italy. They were military family. Um, I had a kid in, in Hawaii. I had a kid in the middle. This is how they described it. We're in the middle of nowhere in Canada. <laughs> so they didn't have access. So for them, for them, LEA, uh, Leadership Education Academy, which doesn't, um, is, you know, isn't, in, isn't offering classes anymore. It, that was a huge blessing for them. And I do remember talking to the parents and how grateful they were that there was something for their kids to, um, somewhere for their kids to take these projects. So I hope that we can, yeah, that we can kind of continue what LEA started. We're not tied to LEA, but but I came from LEA, like you, Tatiana. I I spent years mentoring for for Jeanette Wagner, uh, who I consider you know a mentor and a dear friend. I hope that we can kind of continue that legacy in in a new way, um, but but offering the pro the scholar projects that are just so beloved by so many people. Well, thank you so much for taking your time and being with us today. Is there anything else you wanted to ask, Heidi? No, I just wanted to, I'm so grateful that we got to know a little bit more about the um, school leadership training and how beneficial it is for new schools and for established schools. Mm -hmm. I just think it's, it's amazing. There is, um, you know, special, uh, special pricing so that entire communities can come. So be sure and check that out. We'll have a link in the um, show notes as well for that. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. It was awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It was fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. 
We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.